0: hello inspiring empowering beautiful amazing humans welcome to another episode of the self love effect podcast where we strive to be our most authentic unapologetic selves celebrating who we are and being able to inspire those around us to be the best version of themselves I'm your host, Desiree Toppings, and before we dive into today's episode and I introduce our very special guests, I just want to take a moment and say thank you for your constant love and support, and it would mean so much to me if you go leave a review, comment, like, subscribe, share with family and friends, and that is how we are able to grow organically and grow in the algorithm, being able to reach more lives and inspire so many others and if you have not heard so already we do have a private facebook group page that is team self-love effect full of empowering individuals who really shine their light allowing me to grow as a person and really grow together so we look forward to having you a part of our community now without further ado today's very special guest Is Dr. Rashmi Shram. She is a board certified family physician, an integrative health coach, and a meditation teacher. She is the founder of Optimal Wellness, a meditation coaching program currently based in the US, where she uses her knowledge and practice to help people meditate effectively and achieve the benefits that come with it. Now, I am excited to start this episode and for you guys to walk away feeling so empowered and really with a new sense of encouragement and empowerment when it comes to meditation, because many of us have a particular view on it that maybe we can't do it, or maybe we, it's not just for us, but I think you're going to walk away with so much more out of this episode and stay tuned to the end because This episode is not like any other we've ever had before, so I hope you guys enjoy this as much as I did welcome dr rashmi shram to the self love effect podcast so excited to have you here and really for all of you to listen and i think you guys are going to take away so much from listening to this podcast episode we speak so much about meditation and mindfulness but now we actually have someone here that can really break it down for you all and share her story and how it's changed her life but we want to do things a little different this week and have her guide us through a few affirmations and then wait to the the very end as she guides us through a meditation. So welcome to the podcast. So excited to have you. It is my absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So whenever you're ready, we would like to, you know, I'll let you have the floor and we'll just repeat after you with our eyes closed. And then, um, you can really just guide us through your journey and how you got into mindfulness. Oh, well meditation and, um, how it's changed your life. Absolutely. So shall we
1: start with our affirmations then? Yes, absolutely. Perfect. So just with your eyes gently closed, you can silently repeat or, or out loud, you can repeat after me.
2: So our affirmations are as follows. I am whole
3: and complete. I love and accept myself totally as I am. I am evolving with ease.
2: I am a magnet for the experiences I most desire.
3: We can take a few deep breaths and if you'd like, you can gently open your eyes.
2: I love that. I love the
0: evolve. I feel like that word is just so powerful and we need to say it more. And the fact that you brought it up, we just talked about it's okay to evolve and change and that it's something that us as women, I feel like we find ourselves grounded in this. We define ourselves with either being a mother or, you know, what we have, you know, our job is. And, you know, rather than really defining us as who we truly are inside, and we don't really allow that part of us to shine and where we find ourselves, hence the comparison game or not feeling enough. Um, So guide us through um, how you, well, first, how you became a doctor, but really how you worked it in with mindfulness and meditation, because those two on the spectrum are when I think of it are a little different, but you've brought them in and intertwining them together, which can really change someone's life drastically
1: hundred percent. Yeah. So I was actually born in India and I lived in a really large extended family for the first 12 years of my life. And so that meant that I was exposed to all kinds of aunts and uncles and my grandmother was a very spiritual person. Um, So there was a lot of meditation. There was a lot of mantra. There was a lot of that going on. So it never seemed strange. I I wouldn't say I was like a meditating child or anything, but it felt like home for me. We we immigrated to the U.S. when I was 12 with my brother and my parents. And um, I was in a very small coal mining town in Southwestern Virginia. And so it was a pretty stark difference. And in my haste as an adolescent to fit in, you know, kind of shed all of those, um, anything that felt Indian sort of had to go. And so, um, and and then when I went off to college, I discovered a small group of um, other uh, students who were interested in meditation. And I still wasn't really comfortable in my identity. And so I, most of my sort of like really good friends back then, never knew that I was a meditator. I was like this closet meditator because I was always afraid. I was like, oh, you know, I want to go to medical school. What are people going to think of me? And so a lot of these um, self-judgments, right? And so um, I got into medical school, um, actually really enjoyed medical school, um, completely abandoned all kinds of mindfulness meditation practices. And, you know, fast forward through residency, same thing. And then I found myself just um, being a mom uh, with, Of two kids. They were, you know, kind of back to back. My husband is a physician. I met him in medical school and just working these really long hours, both of us just really stressed out, really not understanding where we were even headed, why we were where we were. And then for me, it just kind of continuously devolved into um, a lot of self criticism, a lot of irritability towards myself and others, and a very slow churning burnout because I wasn't taking care of my stressors. I wasn't taking care of my mental health or my emotional health and ultimately began to affect my physical health as well. So I um, was having trouble sleeping. I'd had insomnia for many years. I was having chronic daily migraines. I was having digestive issues, all of these things really um, that trace back to this, like not understanding how to care for myself. And so it really wasn't, until I got so physically sick and I just could not tolerate the medication that I was like, wait, um, I think I can at least try meditation. And when I went back to it, it was like, just felt like home. It was like a little slipstream for me. Um, and so, and that was, you know, uh, 15 years ago or so. And ultimately, though, because I wasn't fully immersed in it, I was very much so like a crisis meditator for many years. So I would like meditate, I would get better, I'd forget all about it. I'd like, you know, then I'd fall <laughs> back into the usual patterns. And then um, I'd be like, you know, God, my migraines are coming back. <laughs> I like meditate. And so I did that for a few years. And then about mm-hmm. um, seven or eight years ago, I really just kind of said, this is ridiculous. I'm just going to go all in. And so, one of the ways I decided to go all in was, um, I'm like, let me just try to study at a deep, deep level to where like a teacher training might give me. Mm-hmm. Um, because then I know that will give me, um, you know, uh, the, the community that I need and it, the accountability that I need. And so that's how, and I really didn't think I was ever going to teach. It was really because I wanted to read original text, understand it, have these conversations and, and just be in that mindset and that immersive mindset. And so that's really how my meditative journey started. That was so many years ago. and I um, love it. I love teaching it. It is so transformative. And you're right. It does seem like a real paradox, like, you know, science and spirituality, Mm -hmm. but ultimately when they come together is when you really can take care of your whole self, mind, body, emotionally and spiritually. And so that's my story in a nutshell.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, okay, wait, science and spirituality, those two are such an odd mix. But you're right, because we're it's like when everything is aligned and connected, then we can become who we're meant to be, who we're destined to be. And I feel like as individuals, like we stray from that. We're scared. We live in fear. And it's the fear that was, you know, implanted in us, given to us. But you know, I feel like meditation is one of those things that people run from because they're, they sit there and they're like, okay, my mind keeps racing. These thoughts keep coming about. I can't do this. And they automatically give up. And I was one of those people in the beginning. And then I started to understand, like, we let those thoughts flow and then, you know, they kind of just drift away. But what would you tell somebody? How would you, what do you explain to your clients when it comes to, you know, having patience with meditation, really understanding, um, the importance of meditation and how it could really just change your life. Yeah, for sure. And to
1: know and understand that those are really common and expected feelings to have, because it's sort of the opposite of what we normally um, uh, treasure, which is a go, 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 do, do, do sort of thing. And so even for me, even now, sometimes those thoughts will show up like, "Ah, oh, you got so much to do. What are you doing sitting here? Um, but ultimately it's that whole practice is a practice of self-love, of self-compassion and of, of allowing ourselves to have whatever meditative session. We have to be the session that we have, right? And so sometimes I like to just go back to the very basics of what is meditation, what is mindfulness, because sometimes it can just become hashtags. So the way that um, I think of mindfulness, for example, is, and, and most people would agree that it is defined as the awareness that arises when we are paying attention to this present moment without judgment and with some curiosity. I mean, it sounds really, really simple, right? I mean, it is simple, but it is so hard to do because we have so many judgments. We, you know, we're like this is good, this is bad, this is easy, this is hard. And then sometimes a judgment can take over and we forget that we're curious beings at our very core. And so that's really mindfulness. And then meditation is just one formal way of practicing mindfulness. And so meditation, the way that I think of it is, as just moving from activity into stillness or silence. And so when we practice meditation, and there's so many valid types of meditation, we are really just strengthening our mindfulness muscle. Mm-hmm. And ultimately this, this whole practice is about heartfulness. Like, you know, in Eastern traditions, mindfulness really is equal to heartfulness in many ways. And so a lot of that just means having goodwill to ourselves, whether we're having 10,000 thoughts show up, whether we're feeling blissed out or whether there's a, a, a bit of grief that comes up that we didn't know that we had, having that tenderness to ourselves and being able to sit with that so that we can metabolize it so that we can use it so that we can actually notice all parts of ourselves. And so that is how I generally um, have folks think of, you really don't have to have like zero thoughts. In fact, that would be really scary. That means you're dead. And so the the entire idea of a meditative practice, whether you're following a guidance or a breath or a mantra, for example, is just that you're noticing that you're not your thoughts and that's the gold. You're noticing that you're the thinker of the thoughts. And so that begins to become really empowering over time as you notice it more and more. And then you get to a point slowly, 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 where we're not just, you know, uh, feel, think, react, feel, think, react, feel, think, react. It becomes
2: feel, breathe, think, respond. And so it can give us a lot of freedom in our lives in that way. It's, um, it's one of those things
0: where it's maybe just scary that, you know, to be finally in control of our thoughts to be the thinker, right? I mean, when we really think about rewiring the brain, it's like, wait a minute, I have full power this whole time. It's not my subconscious. It's not, you know, even at sometimes our conscious state of mind, but meditation is one of those things where we are very self-aware and it's getting to that point of self-awareness, but also reducing stressors like anxiety, and then finally feeling in control. But to many that point of control is a little bit scary because we've never been in that state. And I think, like you said, we're always going, going, going that when we slow it down and we really start to feel who we are, that's a scary thought because we've avoided it for so long. And avoidance is I feel like one of those things in humans that we rather avoid and, or we don't want to feel maybe guilty either of things that may come across our mind. So where do you, where, what, advice do you give when it comes to, um, really being intentional with, you know, meditation and how that can, you know, if the practice of it can, you know, reduce anxiety can actually be beneficial, um, versus feeling guilt, just sitting there and, you know, feeling like, like you said, I'm wasting my day away But, you know, what's how can intentionally living this way really have an impact in your life? I love this question, which is which ultimately boils down
1: to why? Why should we meditate in a certain way, right? And this and this is such a pivotal question to ask. And I also love what you pointed out, um, Desiree, which is that we can spend a lot of our lives running from something that is already inside of ourselves. And so we're in a way, we're like chasing our tail. And and it's normal because we have this built-in ego system that says, anytime that I find something to be pleasurable whether it's like drinking an espresso or having a glass of wine or um, sitting out on the back patio or going for a walk on the beach all of those things i find pleasurable and so therefore i'm going to continuously seek those and then i find these other things to be really painful sometimes and they're yet still part of me you know i i haven't dealt with the grief of this person that i lost i haven't dealt with the grief of um, i don't want to think about the grief of this relationship relationship that went a different way than I wanted it to. I don't want to, I really don't want to deal with this other um, big fat thing that's sitting here that I really want to do this dream that I have because I know I'm going to fail. And so I'm just going to spend a lot of time and energy avoiding that and, and doing these other things that give me this pleasure. Right. And ultimately we just forget why we're even like chasing after that glass of wine or whatever, (laughs) like, you know, and so in that way, when we can bring a little bit more balance, we can have more energy we can have more purpose and so some of the benefits of meditation for example and these are in tens of thousands of studies um and keep in mind you know a meditation practice the the, the ultimate evidence comes from the idea that this has evolved over five thousand years and so you know our ancestors took great care mm-hmm. to make sure that it was passed down from teacher to student teacher to student and so you know sometimes like uh, we get so caught up in evidence and uh, believe me, I mean, I, I practice medicine. I enjoy evidence-based medicine. So I'm not knocking that, but, you know, science of meditation is maybe 20 years old max and meditation is 5,000 years old. And so there's a lot more that we're going to learn. And so some of the benefits that we see right off the bat, even in first-time meditators is, you know, we're living in this sympathetic go, 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 fight or flight kind of drive, right? A low level of that, sometimes a high level of that. And what can happen is we can um, have a lot of inflammatory, a lot of inflammation because of the sympathetic response. And so when we meditate, when we sit down for a meditation session, we can reverse that literally within the first few minutes. And so what we start to see in the parasympathetic rest and restore response is the exact opposite. So the heart rate comes down, the breath. Um, you know, starts to, you know, we take longer, deeper breaths. And over time, the adrenal glands don't pump out as much cortisol and and as much adrenaline, because again, it's not, we're not in danger. Right. And in fact, we never are in danger. It's just an email. It's just social media. It's just, you know, a text. And, and, and as we, as we can spend a little bit more time in that there's very quickly blood flow changes that happen in the brain as well. And so one of the first things that happen is, you know, when we in the fight or flight response, a lot of our blood flow is in that limbic system or in that midbrain, which is you know, the amygdala, which is the kind of the alarm system, right? Like it's there to keep us safe. And so there's a lot of blood flow there. And when there's a lot of blood flow there, our parent brain or the creative side, the intellectual side, which is our frontal lobe can go offline a little bit. It's not that we can't think, but we can't think as well when we're in this fight or flight. And so right off the bat in meditate during meditation, even outside of meditation, we'll see blood flow changes that reflect decreased blood flow to that limbic system and more blood flow into into the parent brain, into that Mm -hmm. frontal lobe, where we have more creativity, where we have more access to our intellect. And so, um, and that over time just gets stronger and stronger and stronger to where, I mean, I have, you know, I, I, offer several, um, meditation packages and the one that I have right now is just rewire your brain. And we literally have, so many studies that show that we are in fact, rewiring our brain. And so when we plant affirmations and intentions in deeper parts of our meditation sessions, we begin to where we put our attention is where energy goes. And so that's where the magic begins to happen is over time, the frontal lobe, the, the gray matter in the frontal lobe is significantly increased. So the like literally not just the blood flow, but the brain itself physically changes in meditators. And so we get to have more access to creativity, more access to higher levels of thinking, even during stress. And so that's one of the amazing parts, which would then explain uh, why people will say they're more productive if they meditate, they feel more focused when they meditate. And so there are all these different things that are happening outside of the meditation practice that have nothing to do with the quality of your meditative practice.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You have... Your now that you mentioned it, because I was gonna ask you about this, but it starts February 20th, correct? Your rewire the brain. Yeah. So I'll have all that information on, you know, the synopsis of this podcast episode, but it would be so beneficial for you listening that you've been on the fence because you know, you could take time to listen to these meditation apps, you know, but I feel like when you integrate more like of a personal, like online coaching you get to feel really, um, You get to interact with this person like you as a teacher and really step back and you know, um, benefit more from this meditation. Not to take away from any apps or anybody else, but I feel like the one on like the coaching, like what you have, um, structured would be very beneficial and really understanding that rewiring the brain is absolutely so powerful, but so much self awareness comes from it, and you know, like the breathing and you really breaking down the science of it all. And, um, I feel like. Meditation, going off track here a little bit, but you know when I I just started recently jujitsu and meditation and jujitsu go hand in hand for me because I have to be very self aware of my breathing. You know it's a it's a lovely form of martial arts where you stay calm and relax. Now I've always been the person that's like hyperactive and going going going, and I've had to remember like when I I'm like. <sighs> And I'm excited about the next move. I'm like, hold on, wait a minute. Like you're, you're breathing too heavy. You're exerting lots of energy. And it's really meditation to me and mindfulness really plays a part in self-awareness where I'm like, okay, let's slow it down. And as the instructor, the coach is like, like teaching our next move. I'm like, relax, you know, let's bring it down. But the power of mindfulness and being self-aware and meditation plays a part in all areas of our life. And when you really start to integrate into everything you do, whether it's just sitting here on the computer, speaking to somebody, actually being involved in the conversation and not thinking, what do I have to have for lunch? Or what's going to come next? You know, we're constantly doing so many things when we're not living in the now. We're constantly living either in the future or the past but forgetting and really being calm in the state of, Hey, right now is, you know, nine o'clock my time. And I'm sitting here having a conversation with you. And what can I gain from this experience rather than, okay, after, after this conversation, I have to do X, Y, and Z. And so the benefits will largely play a part in so many areas of our life, not just the moment we're just sitting and meditating. Oh yeah. I couldn't have said
1: it any better than that. And I love how you brought in the breath work component too. It sounds like in jujitsu, that's a really important part of that. And it really is even a meditation too, um, as in most, you know, wisdom traditions, because ultimately the breath is only here. It's, it can only be in this present moment. And it's also a great way to connect the body and the mind. And so, Um, We, we use a lot of breath work in in the meditations that I teach and they're really powerful and they can be, you know, used outside of meditation as well. Just like how you're using it Um, in that, whether it's like two in the morning, you're up uh, like worried about something, which again, we have normal human brains, we have very stressful lives. And so like, ultimately it's not that. Um, uncommon to find ourselves in autopilot. Even I find that right. And it's not like a bad thing. We do have to have autopilot for several things, but ultimately if our entire lives are spent in autopilot, we just miss big chunks of our lives. Mm -hmm. And so I love, um, I love how you kind of put that together as to like how your meditative practice is showing up and how you're bringing parts of that into your jujitsu practice. And then ultimately how you see that outside of it, which is to gift someone, whoever you're with, um, the actual gift of your attention, mm-hmm. of your, like your full attention, which is like a fleeting rare thing these days,
0: right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, mean between, always... <laughs> yeah, between social media and whatever's going on, we're just, it's so hard for another human being to be really involved in a conversation.
1: Yes. And I find this uh, even of myself, I'm usually Mm -hmm. trying to send off a quick email and, you know, one of the kids comes over to try to talk to me and I'm just like, no, I got to finish this or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, do I really, can I just put this down? Can I have this conversation with her fully and completely being present? So it's just, again, it's like a whole journey. It's a personal, it's a multi-year lifetimes process for me for sure, because I am constantly relearning that, Mm -hmm. that I can't be in two places at once. My brain cannot do that. No, it thinks it can.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that really translates into also, um, you know, pouring from an empty cup. And, um, I don't know if you want to elaborate with that with meditation, but I think we can really intertwine that with, you know, especially women, because most of our listeners, I would say at least 80% of the listeners are women, but we tend to pour from an empty cup constantly. Um, and then, you know, obviously feeling shame and guilt around that because, you know, we, we were expected so much from us, especially, you know, us as mothers as well. And for those that aren't mothers either, but, you know, we expect to give, give, give that we come to this point of just being so drained out and we feel burnt out. And you came to that when you were sharing with us your story at the very beginning, but, you know, um, How, how can that benefit, you know, that way we encourage you all to pour from first a glass that is full and not that
3: is empty.
1: Yeah, that's right. And um, this is, again, a lesson that I have to learn and relearn for myself. I feel like even though, and maybe the reason that I teach it is because I have to teach it to myself first all the time. Sometimes it's the lesson that I need myself. And so ultimately, you know, the way that it looks for me is I just wake up 30 minutes earlier and I spend, you know, 30 minutes in meditation before I really need to get up and, you know, get everybody out the door and get myself out the door or whatever. Um, And to do that, I have to get to bed a little bit earlier. And so those are just little small shifts and decisions to make uh, ultimately, whatever that looks like. And then I also have, you know, at least 30 minutes in my day that I put into my calendar to exercise, whatever that looks like. Sometimes if I have longer, I'll take an hour, but, but those are my non-negotiables. So the way that I approach it is here's my non-negotiables. And then here's all the things that I can negotiate with you. Like, yeah, I would love to go to this concert in a couple of months, but like, let's everybody look at our schedule. And if it's not going to happen, it's just not going to happen. Yes, I'd love to do this other thing, but those are all negotiable. The things that are non-negotiable are my meditation time, my exercise time. And I also don't negotiate. One of my love languages is just service. And so I really enjoy cooking dinner. Um, and so like, it's just something that I do every single night. And um, if I'm pouring from an empty cup, if I haven't meditated, if I haven't exercised in a few days, if I haven't been doing those things, I find myself being very resentful. That is like my red flag for sure. Like, Oh, you know, like, I can't believe I'm chopping these vegetables. I have so much work to do. This is so ridiculous. And then ultimately I'm like, well, the reason I'm shopping these vegetables is because I'm really grateful that, you know, like I have literally like a year and a half with one kid and two and a half years with the other kid before they go to college and like, they love this food. And I love the fact that we're all going to sit together and eat in another hour or whatever. And so simple, like ridiculously simple things like that. If I don't get myself out of that resentment hole, oh, it'll just be a sour little next couple of hours for no good reason.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, what would you say to somebody that like the best I lost my, I had this question. I was like, oh my gosh, but what would you, um, say is like the greatest benefit in regards to self-love and self-acceptance, um, in regards to being mindfulness with yourself? Yeah, I love that. Okay. So compassion. We are all compassionate
1: beings and we are loving beings, period. We just are. And that's just our innate nature. And so what has happened, particularly for women, for sure, and this happens with men too. I do mostly work with women, but I have some men as well. And they they suffer from the same things is they offer a lot of grace and love to others. And they feel very, very comfortable doing that. But then, when you turn that on yourself, there's a good level of discomfort there because there's a whole bunch of self talk, the self criticism that's been going on for years and years and years and years and years that says, Whoa, hold up there. I don't know that I deserve all this. I don't know that I deserve this compliment somebody just gave me. I'm just going to deflect it in this way. And so, um, the first step for all of that, for self love, self compassion, all of that is just awareness. And so, just like the awareness is the first step for anything. And so, one of the first ways to start is just to notice the negative self-talk, notice the self-criticism and just notice it. You don't have to squash it right away. What I normally say is, you know deal with that you know the, i have a person like we normally name our inner self critic in my in my program and so like when when she shows up it's really she's showing up to protect me like you know she thinks she's protecting me but ultimately i don't need the armor i don't need that protection because then i can't even receive and so for me you know it isn't so much of like a control or a battle it's more of like a bless her and release her kind of thing hey i understand why you're here I see you know how you could have potentially thought you served me. I see why you think you're trying to motivate me, but actually I can tell you that neuroscience tells me the opposite. Neuroscience tells me that um, when we practice self-love and self-compassion, we actually have more emotional resilience. We actually have higher levels of life satisfaction. We have less anxiety. We have less depression. We have We have more to give. We have better relationships. We have better connection with ourselves and others. And therefore, I understand that you think you're helping. And by the way, her name is Heifer. And so I'll say, Heifer, you need to go now.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I love that. I love that. I love that. I think it's important to also, you know, I had posted about this a while back when I was speaking about my past self, you know, and and I also have a inner critic and, um, you know, and I, you know, I tell my listeners and I tell my followers, like, you have to think who you were, because she was doing the best she could at the time with what she had. And rather than constantly go back and replay what you could have done, what you could have done differently, we have to remember that she was doing the best she could. And she brought you here. She didn't give up on you. She, she made you and molded you into who you are today. So praise her for it. And when we start to praise our past, when we start to praise our inner critic for, you know, just comforting us and being there for us. Then we start to slowly have like that 360 shift where it's like, you don't have to be obsessed with negativity in your own mind, you don't have to allow it to consume you, you start to open these doors, and it's easier to be more self worth more self love. And then everything inside comes with more compassion and It's easier. You show up with yourself with grace. And, you know, if things don't go your way or if life doesn't go your way, you start to see that as opportunity to learn and you give you yourself so much more, um, releasing those shackles and freedom because no one can give you freedom other than yourself, right? That freedom of, and I try to explain it, but it's not explainable because only you can feel it internally, but you have this like weight lifted off your shoulders where it's like nothing, nothing cut. Everything comes with you a little, everything is drawn to you like in a positive light easier versus where you're constantly battling yourself when, where, why be at war with yourself when we're only given one chance at this life. And we spend so much of it effortless, like putting so much energy and work into battling who we were and who we might be rather than just being who we are right now and just you know, trying to be the best we can um, with what we have at at the current
2: moment.
1: Oh, I love that. Yeah, I I absolutely 100% couldn't agree more. And I love how you articulated that. Absolutely. Yes.
0: Yeah. So, um, but I do have a question that comes up often and I never have the right answer because, well, personally, I don't consider myself an expert but what, what would you say, when is the best time to meditate? Because we hear lots of the first thing in the morning, right before bed, maybe not midday. And it's like, okay, well, let me ask you, because you to me are the expert. Um, and so when would you say is the best time to meditate or is there a best time to meditate?
1: So there is in a way in that most of us have a little bit more control over our mornings before the day just goes crazy. And so when I'm working with my students or my clients, I'll they'll normally ask me this as well. So I'll say, if it's at all possible, try to get it done in the morning, right? And we know that just neuroscientifically, behaviorally, like we know that- once we say we're going to do something we lay it out there then we are going to do it that's just how it you know and and then ultimately if it's impossible if it's there's no way you can do it in the morning then normally it's just very individualized right so i have i have um i have a physician who like she's a pathologist and so she literally she's not actually doing face to face a lot of times she's just reading a lot of stuff so she has like a 2 pm break and then she figured out like instead of like drinking a coffee, that's what she used to do. She'll go and do a, uh, like a yoga nidra for 25 minutes. And she can do that because she can control her schedule. Now, not all of us can do that. And then she's like, well, it's almost like I fit two days into one now because I'm like completely refreshed. It feels like I woke up like literally first thing in the morning. And then I like, you know, plow through my day. I get home. I can spend time with my family it's like her life hack, you know? And so that's for her. Sometimes like I have people who say I, I have to meditate right before bed or, you know, like after dinner, because that's the only time that I could maybe have. And so it kind of depends. The ultimate answer, though, the common thread there is that consistency is always better than intensity. Consistency is always better than intensity. And so, you know, I say, if you can meditate for 10 minutes a day or even five minutes a day and do that seven days a week, you are ultimately so much better than if you, you know, thought you should spend a 30 minute time period meditating, which you don't have anyway. And so ultimately it's the consistency part. And so looking at What's, what's, where's their time in here? And so, you know, for me, uh, it was uh, like I was all over the place. I mean, I was, you know, anywhere and everywhere. And so ultimately, like I like to meditate twice a day. That's just kind of how my lineage and my teachers um, do this. And so I know for sure I'll get my morning one in. Like I don't, it's been a long time since I've missed my morning meditation. And that's intentional. It's incredibly intentional. It's incredibly purposeful. And it is my non negotiable. And so, you know, the second one sometimes is like, really messy. Like I'm, you know, usually like what one of the tricks I've figured out is, you know, picking up one of the kids from some kind of practice or something, I'll usually get there like 10 or 15 minutes earlier and I'll be in the parking lot and I meditate because I'm in the car, I'm not going to scroll, I'm not going to do anything else. I'm I'm not going to listen to a podcast, all the things that my brain wants to do. Mm-hmm this is my 10 minutes i'm going to meditate and so I, and ultimately like emerge from those again feeling so much more refreshed refreshed and feeling so much more open and loving and more like myself than if i had spent that time doing what my brain wanted to do which was to get these quick little dopamine hits like scrolling scrolling through instagram right. or, or whatever and then all of a sudden it's already 15 minutes and you don't even know what you've done and it's been like it's not that it's a bad thing but for me what i figured out is yeah, of course I'll go on social media. I'm on social media uh, and, and but I but it, there's has to be some kind of discipline about that for me. And that's like again this learning and relearning and learning again for me over and over again. Yeah. yeah <laughs> so yeah. If that answers your
0: question. It's a long question. No, it's perfect. And then how long like if somebody's new to it, how long would you say, you know, to meditate because I know the thing we don't want is for people to be like two minutes in, you know, five minutes in and like, I can't do this anymore. So how long would you say is beneficial to meditate when first starting?
1: So normally, um, and I teach a couple of different kinds of meditation. And so if you, um, choose just to do the simplest kind, which by the way, they're all valid, which is just to sit and notice your breath. You can even just start with two or three minutes a day and ultimately go to five minutes a day. And that's just great. If you're somebody who just can't even sit still, that's okay too. And sometimes if we are running 12 out of 10, um, all the time, and it's been going like that for years then a mindful walk is incredibly helpful. That's a great way to bring focus to your mind. And so, and that just means, you know, not having earbuds on, not having your phone on you, um, or if you do, it's off and you're just noticing, like you're noticing the sky, you're noticing the sounds you're seeing if there's any smells coming through and you're feeling how your feet feel as you walk. And so like the simplest things, when we begin to just notice the breath, notice the birds notice the clouds. That actually is a great way to practice mindfulness. I mean, we can be mindfully washing the dishes. We can mindfully, we can do anything mindfully. We can bring that in. And that also begins to have the same brainwave changes, the same neuropeptide changes, all of that stuff as meditation. So there's really no moment either during like a, you know, like a mindful walk or a mindful, anything that's wasted. And the same as a meditation, even if all you felt like was you had, all these different thoughts and you just kept coming back to your breath or whatever it was that you were trying to focus on, then it's still a valid meditation. It's still a valid experience. It still works.
0: I love that, that you can meditate whenever. I think that's something that most of us are like, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me go back. What did she just say? Because we're not told that we're told, you know, constantly on the go. You have to sit down, you have to relax, either lay down or sit in a comfortable position. Um, but really, um, taking the time, even when I'm washing my hands, like how do my hands feel? How's the water hitting or in the shower? I love shower meditation because I know That's where I'm really like, okay, relaxed and like feeling the sensation of the water and being able to uh, really tap into, you know, some alone time, but, you know, making that a non-negotiable, which I feel like that's been beneficial to me personally, but um, I love that we're able to do it, you know, even washing the dishes, like you said. So very beneficial. Um, My next question is, you know, what do you do to practice self-love?
1: Yeah. So I think my meditation practice is my self-love practice in so many ways, because I notice the inner critic come up and I have to let her go very gently during that period of time. And then, you know, having any kind of mindful movement, whether it's yoga or a run or a walk or anything that is, is may have to, to me, 15 years ago, seemed like a selfish practice. Um, it's almost um it's almost selfish not to practice self-care in a way because you're really depriving not just yourself but so many others. And so those are my two big self-love practices. I also in I also am an Ayurveda teacher, and in Ayurveda, there's several different um, uh, kinds of ways that we can express love to ourselves. And one of those is just with nourishment. And so um, you know, to make sure and Take the time to have healthy whole foods around to make the time to have that time for dinner, to have that time for that meal, that family time. That really is just a grounding self-love practice. And then at least a couple times a week, there's a, a, there's a kind of massage in Ayurveda that involves a lot of oil and oleation right before you shower. And you really kind of very intentionally are very grateful for different parts of your body. So it's a self massage. And so I really try to do that at least twice a week. Um, and it's really helpful in the winter because it's so, the air is so dry and the mm-hmm. air, you know, and it's so windy most of the time. And so like an Abhyanga massage is definitely, I definitely feel incredibly loved when I give myself just a quick massage. And I mean, obviously, I mean, I haven't had a massage since COVID started. I mean, I know that some people can and have been able to do that, but um, so it's just a luxury. That's just a really wonderful little thing that takes me, you know, seven or eight minutes. And I just feel like this totally,
0: re- you know, like rejuvenated person after my shower. Yeah. Oh my. Oh, I know we spent most of our time talking about meditation, but we w- Love to have you back on to talk about that part of what you do with when it comes to wellness. Like I've never heard of that before, taking the time to, you know, you know, use oils right before a you know, a bath or a shower. But you know, that's some self-care that may be beneficial to people who may be on the go over the time. So um, but tell us a little bit more about um before we really just dive into our moment of meditation, um, tell us about the rewiring of the brain, you know, let people just know a little bit more, um, that way. Cause it does start, uh, on the 20th of this month. And I know after speaking to you that I'm going to be part of it. So, um, tell us a little bit more about the package and what it comes with that way, the listeners get a little bit more details. Yeah, thank you so much. So
1: in that, you get 35 days of access to these really powerful meditations that are known as Yoga Nidra, which can be traced back to about 3,000 years or so. And in that package, so there's five, depending on what you want to look for. So there's one for self-love and self-acceptance, for example. There's one you know, where you can visualize, visualize your highest intentions. And when we plant these intentions into the subconscious mind, we begin to take action in different ways and so there are there's literally kind of pick your own meditation type of thing. And within the Nidra package, all you have to do is lie down. I know you said you could do all these different things, but remember, this is this really powerful way to rewire our brain very intentionally. You just, this is actually where you lie down in a supremely comfortable position and you follow along and that's it. And so we use a whole host of different um, methods like breath work that I talked about, like visualization, like guided imagery, um, like body scanning. And so uh, affirmations, intention all of those things and so it is um my all-time most requested uh kind of meditation no matter where i'm teaching who i'm teaching what i'm teaching people are did you can you do a nidra you know and so um because it was so and and so and then i realized in 2021 i had spent every single week doing a group nidra for the entire year of 2021 at least one of those and then 2022 came came around and i had a new group that I started that is uh, that's a little bit smaller, that's a little bit more um, in depth. And so I, we're doing them inside that group. And then my other larger audience was like, what's going on? Like, I want the, I want, you know, I want the address. Yeah. So, so that's exactly why I'm opening that up. So, and then uh, people also get email access to me because inevitably people will have questions. And then we have at least one live session with interaction that's scheduled. We'll probably add another one on as well. And then people get their own portals. So you can just figure out which ones you like, which ones you don't. You can make your own notes. Um, and it's just really fun. And I absolutely have a code that I'm going to give your listeners um, that you can have in the show notes for like 10 bucks off the $49. So that way they you know feel really comfortable trying it out for the first time.
0: God well thank you. Oh, this is exciting. And for those of you that do purchase and you know, uh purchase the package, let me know that way I can add points to your um giveaway that we have this week for the podcast. Well, this month that we have for the podcast, let me know, just send me a screenshot and that way I am aware that you went ahead and purchased her package. I would love to see so many of you really involved in this because I feel like more of us need to be more self-aware. And this can really, in fact, um, allow you to just reclaim your power something that so many of us struggle with and you know just to be able to live a more purposeful life and you know regardless of where you're at in your journey rather you feel like you're you know far ahead or if you feel like you're struggling behind whether whatever it is where you're at at the moment i think it can benefit so many of us so definitely screenshot send that to me and i look forward to hearing all about it from you guys um so thank you for sharing that with us but Thank you. Um, okay. So I'm excited about this part because we've never had this before on the podcast. And so, um, you know, I would love it if you just guided us through a meditation, however long that may be, but whenever you're ready, just let us know and um, we'll just follow along.
1: That sounds fantastic. So let's get started. Just knowing that normally when I begin a meditation, the UPS fellow comes and the dog barks. So just be ready for that. <laughs> This is the usual sequence of events. So,
2: so I love it. When,
1: when you're ready, hopefully you're not driving. So let's just gently close our eyes, and it's usually helpful if you're in a sitting in a comfortable position. So take just a minute to just make sure you have a little back support. Maybe get your feet flat on the ground, your palms at your lap, and then let's just begin by taking a few deeper breaths
2: just gently releasing anything that's no longer serving you with each exhalation just letting it go
3: just allowing it to go with each exhalation and just gently putting your attention on your breath without trying to alter it in any way, just noticing the breath. In breath. Yeah, breath. And with your attention at the level of your heart,
2: just bring in a deep sense of gratitude for yourself
3: gratitude for creating the space in your very busy life. Next, I want you to silently repeat after me.
2: I want you to silently think, I am. And your first name and your last name. So for me, it would be I am
3: Rashmi Shram. And now, dropping the last name, I want you to silently think I am, and just your first name. Now, just dropping the first name and just thinking, I am, I am. And then just gently switching that to the Sanskrit vibration
2: of aham, aham.
3: Ah uh, Hum. Just gently and silently repeating Ah uh, Hum. Just effortlessly continue to repeat Ah uh, Hum. If you find that your mind has wandered, you've done nothing wrong, just gently return back to aham. Still keeping your eyes closed, gently releasing the mantra aham and just resting. Just rest and being. I want you to silently repeat the following intentions as I say them. Drop these seeds of intention into your being. Joyful, energetic, healthy body. Loving, compassionate, open heart. Reflective, alert, peaceful mind, lightness of being. Now just taking a few deeper breaths, coming back
2: to the body, perhaps wiggling the toes, noticing your back. And if you'd like, just bringing your palms together at the level of your heart, bowing to yourself,
1: bowing to your highest self, bowing to all of the teachers that you've had in your life,
2: the teachers who are here now and to all the teachers that are yet to come.
3: Just gently open your eyes. Namaste. That was beautiful. That was beautiful. Oh, this gets me
0: so excited. Oh my gosh, you're such a beautiful soul. And I could just feel your energy, but just really your compassion towards others. And that is a beautiful, you feel like it's always so, Powerful when I get to feel this energy, even though we're on a Zoom call, and but you have so much more lives that you're going to change. And so I thank you for really taking the time to be on the podcast for sharing your story, but really educating us um, on meditation and really also the science of it all, because that's where we, you know, where we come to really understand that it's not just something that is a lot of woo hoo and spiritual, you know, out there that it really is having an impact in your everyday being. And it really can transform your life. And again, rewire the brain.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: It's been my absolute pleasure, Desiree. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, thank you. Is there anything else you would like to tell the listeners?
1: No, I just think your listeners are incredibly lucky to have you. And um, I'm going to start getting all my folks listening to
0: you as well. This is just a fabulous show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all for tuning in. I hope you guys got as much out of it as I did. And we're really able to connect with yourself through this guided meditation and save this for, you know, you guys can always come back to this and do it over and over again. And I look forward to you guys participating also in Dr. Sean's, um, Rewire the brain. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so look in the description below for more information on that discount code as well. But also her website will be on there. And you guys already know, never hesitate to reach out. You know, maybe this was something that resonated with you and you finally were able to connect. And I sincerely say that you should go out on a limb here and reach out to her, email her, whatever you need to do, because your life is something we only get once and you should live it to the fullest. So I'm going to leave you guys as I always do, do something today to make the world better than you found it. So we love you guys. We'll talk to you soon. Have a great rest of your week. Bye. And let me drop you guys off some discount codes. But first, if you have not heard already, I am a coach and advisor on the First Form app. So you can head on over to your app store, Android or iPhone, download First Form and add me, Desiree at selfloveeffect.com or Desiree Toppings. I am here to help you with your mindset, your fitness and nutrition goals. So if you are ready, add me and join our community on Facebook. That's Team Self Love Effect. We also have a direct link for the first form supplements down at the synopsis or the link in my bio on my social media pages. If you have any questions in regard to protein, in regard to pre-workout, in regards to whatever it is, your greens, your reds, please never hesitate to let me know I'm here to help you. Okay, so next we have Born Primitive. If you have not done so already, get your hands on the best athletic wear in the world. I cannot think of a better company to represent. They are veteran-owned and very humanitarian. Um, You can find the link in the synopsis or in my bio, but that link automatically saves you 10% at checkout. So there's no copy and paste promo code. It automatically comes off at checkout. If you ever have any questions, please do not hesitate to ask. Next, we have Wad and Done. Give them your love and support on Instagram at Wad and Done. Stop tearing, save your hands. <clears throat> I have not torn in almost two years, making pull-ups and toes to bar so graceful. You can save at checkout using Treasures 10. Next, we have Maven Threads, whether it's everyday headband wear or just for workout, save using Self-Love Effect 15 at checkout. And lastly, we have the Self-Love Effect Shop. Get your hands on some Self-Love Effect podcast merch, or just some self-love merch in general, tag us on Facebook at the underscore self-love effect. And you can use discount code self-love effect at checkout. Now I hope you guys have an amazing weekend. Keep shining, keep going and believe in yourself. Cause the question always is, do
2: I believe in you, but do you believe in yourself? Talk to you guys later. Bye.